ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So we were talking about tawakkul last time, putting your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Shaykh Al-Fawzan had mentioned, وَالتَّوَكُّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ أَعْظَمِ مَنَازِلِ Having your trust in Allah is one of the greatest and loftiest of levels. As it mentions in the Qur'an, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ That you alone we worship and you alone we seek aid and assistance from. Meaning that you alone we put our complete trust in. يَحْصُلُ كَمَالُ التَّوْحِيدِ بِأَنْوَاعِهِ الثَّلَاثَةِ أو لا يحصل كمال التوحيد بأنواعه الثلاثة إلا بكمال التوكل على الله. So the perfection of tawheed in all its types cannot occur except by having that trust and dependence in Allah سبحانه وتعالى. As Allah said in the Quran. رب المشرق والمغرب لا إله إلا هو فاتخذه وكيلا The Lord of the East and the West There is none deserving of worship in truth except He So take Him as your وكيل Take Him as the one that you put your trust in وَالْآيَاتُ فِي الْأَمْرِ بِهِ كَثِيرًا جِدًّا And the ayat in the Qur'an that tell us and command us to have our trust and dependence in Allah. They are many ayat. For example, in الطلاق, number three, وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ that whomsoever puts his trust in Allah, then that will suffice him. Allah will suffice him. The one who puts his trust in Allah, then Allah will suffice him. That will be enough for him. Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala had mentioned, وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ فجعل التوكل على الله شرطا في الإيمان فدل على انتفاء الإيمان عند انتفائه That when Allah said and upon Allah put your trust if indeed you are believers Ibn al-Qayyim said that Allah has made putting trust in him a condition of your iman Indicating the lack of Iman, 
if you have a lack of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وكلما قوي إيمان العبد كان توكله أقوى and the more the iman of a servant becomes stronger then the more your tawakkul in Allah your trust in Allah becomes stronger and if your iman becomes weaker then your trust in Allah becomes weaker and then the Shaykh mentions وَإِذَا كَانَ التَّوَكُّلُ ضَعِيفًا كَانَ دَلِيلًا عَلَى ضَعْفِ الْإِيمَانِ وَلَا And so if the tawakkul of a person in Allah, the trust and dependence of a person in Allah is weak, then that is a sign that his iman is weak. وَاللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي مَوَاضِعَ مِنْ كِتَابِهِ يَجْمَعُ بَيْنَ التَّوَكُّلِ وَالْعِبَادَةِ وَبَيْنَ التَّوَكُّلِ وَالْإِيمَانِ وَبَيْنَ التَّوَكُّلِ وَالتَّقْوَى وَبَيْنَ التَّوَكُّلِ وَالْإِسْلَامِ وَبَيْنَ التَّوَكُّلِ وَالْهِدَايَةِ In many places in the Quran, Allah mentions tawakkul, having your trust and your dependence in Him alongside other aspects of the religion. So for example, tawakkul is mentioned alongside iman and tawakkul is mentioned alongside taqwa and tawakkul is mentioned alongside Islam and it is mentioned alongside guidance indicating that connection between putting your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of your affairs and these other aspects of the religion. قال الإمام ابن رجب رحمه الله والأعمال التي يعملها العبد ثلاثة أقسام ابن رجب one of the great scholars of the past he said that the actions a person does are three types. The actions that a person does, they are three types. Ahaduha, one of them, الطاعات التي أمر الله بها عباده وَجَعَلَهَا سَبَبًا لِلنَّجَاةِ مِنَ النَّارِ وَدُخُولِ الْجَنَّةِ The first is your obediences. The obedience that you do which Allah has commanded us to do. The obedience which Allah has made a means of our salvation. Being saved from the fire and entering into paradise. So the first type of actions that you do are your obedience that Allah has commanded us with. The obedience that Allah has made as a means of saving us from the fire and entering us into paradise. فَهَذَا لَا بُدَّ مِنْ فِعْلِهِ مَعَ التَّوَكُّلِ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَالِاسْتِعَانَةِ بِهِ عَلَيْهِ 
So these actions, you have to do them. They are a must. It is a must that you do your obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and put your trust in Allah and seek aid and assistance from Allah. فَإِنَّهُ لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ Because indeed there is no might nor power except by Allah. وَمَا شَاءَ كَانْ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ And whatever Allah wills, then it will be. And whatever Allah does not will, then it will not be. فَمَنْ قَصْرَ فِي شَيْءٍ مِنْ ذَلِكَ قَصْرَ إِسْتَحَقَّ الْعُقُوبَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ So whomsoever falls short when it comes to his obedience, then he is deserving of punishment in this world and the afterlife. The second type of actions that we do, ما أجر الله العادة به في الدنيا وأمر عباده بتعاطيه كالأكل عند الجوع والشرب عند العطش والاستضلال من الحر والتدفئة من البرد. The second is normal actions that you do that Allah has made them as normal actions. For example, eating when you're hungry and drinking when you're thirsty and going under the shade when it's hot and sitting next to the heater when it's cold. These are normal actions that everybody does, normal things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed in this way that we do. Eat when you're hungry, drink when you're thirsty, go to the heater when it's cold, Go under the shade when it's hot. These are normal actions that occur from the people. With these actions, again, we have to take the necessary means. And if we do not take the necessary means, then we're harmed. So it's a hot day and you don't look for any shadow to go under, you'll get harmed in the heat. It's a cold, freezing day and you don't find any heat anywhere to go to. Then you will be harmed by that cold. So with these types of things, then we have to take the necessary means for our own good. وَمَنْ قَصَرَ فِيهِ حَتَّى تَذَرَّرَ بِتَرْكِهِ مَعَ الْقُدْرَ عَلَى اسْتِعْمَالِهِ فَهُوَ مُفَرَّطِ يَسْتَحِقُ الْعُقُوبَةِ these types of things, if a person is capable of them but doesn't do them, and you are harmed as a consequence, then you are deserving of punishment upon that. Maybe a person harms himself because he doesn't uh, go into the shade and he stays outside in the heat of the sun and harms himself and his body on purpose like that. These are things that are not permissible for you to do, not permissible for you to engage in like that. You have to look after yourselves, you cannot harm yourselves on purpose. If you're not able to, that's another thing. But on purpose, you cannot harm yourself. 
you have to take the means for protection and for safeguarding yourself from harm. The third type, Al-Qism Al-Thalith, Ma Ajar Allahu Al-Ada Bihi Fi Al-Dunya Fi Al-A'am Al-Aghlab. The typical actions that normally happen. That normally happen. وقد روي عن ابن عباس قال كان أهل اليمن يحجون ولا يتزودون ويقولون نحن متوكلون فيحجون فيأتون مكة ويسألون الناس فأنزل الله هذه الآية وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى An example is given here about the tawakkul. Ibn Abbas reported that the people of Yemen used to go to Hajj without taking any provisions. They would go to Hajj without taking any provisions. And they would say, we are putting our trust in Allah. And when they got there to do Hajj without any provisions, saying we're putting our trust in Allah, then when they got there with nothing, they would go around asking people for help. But then the ayah was revealed about that. That take your provisions, and the best of the provisions is taqwa. So you have to take the necessary means is the point. You cannot just say, I'm putting my trust in Allah without taking the means, without going out there and doing what is needed and required. You can't just say, I'm putting my trust in Allah and then do nothing and just say, Allah will help me. You have to go out and do the means. Allah has given us means to do things. You have to take those means. If you don't take them, then like we said before, that ends up as tawakul, not tawakul. That is then tawakul. It is a pretense of putting your trust in Allah. And it is mentioned, وَقَدْ لَقِيَ عمر ابن الخطاب جماعة من أهل اليمن فقال من أنتم قالوا نحن المتوكلون قال بل أنتم المتأكلون إنما المتوكل الذي يلقي حبه في الأرض ويتوكل على الله يلقي حبه في الأرض ويتوكل على الله that عمر ابن الخطاب came across a group of people from Yemen and said to them, who are you? They said, we are the ones who put our trust in Allah. But, but Umar ibn al-Khattab said to them, you are not that. You are al-mutawakilun. Al-mutawakilun, meaning the ones who are pretending to be upon trust in Allah. Pretending that you're putting your trust in Allah and you're not taking the means. Because he said to them, innama al-mutawakil. 
الذي يلقي حبه في الارض ويتوكل على الله the true individual who is putting his trust in Allah he gave them the example is the one who sows his seeds plants them in the ground and then puts his trust in Allah for the for the crops to grow and then he can benefit from them and sell them and everything else but initially he sows the seeds sows the seeds into the ground initially and then puts his trust in Allah puts his trust in Allah after that or along with that not to just say I put my trust in Allah the crops are going to grow and you don't even go and sow the seeds that is the mistake for a person to say he's putting his trust in Allah and he doesn't even go and sow the seeds in the first place sow the seeds into the ground and then put your trust in Allah with that then the next section begins here that was the section regarding trust tawakkul in Allah now the next section is ash-shirku fi the shirk in obedience shirk in obedience a'lamu وفقني الله وإياكم أن من الشرك طاعة العلماء أو طاعة العلماء والأمراء في تحليل ما حرم الله أو تحريم ما أحل الله Shirk in obedience basically means that you are obeying others besides Allah and so if you obey the rulers and the leaders when they make haram what Allah has actually made halal or they make halal what Allah has actually made haram then you are obeying others besides Allah and that is shirk in obedience to obey the rulers or those in authority over you in them making things halal what Allah has made haram or making haram what Allah has made halal Allah said in the Quran اتخذوا أحبارهم ورهبانهم أربابا من دون الله they took their rabbis and their monks as lords besides Allah what does it mean that they took their rabbis and their monks as lords besides Allah? Meaning their rabbis and their monks used to tell them something is halal, even though Allah had said it is haram. And they used to tell them something is haram, even though Allah had said it is halal, and the people used to obey them. So the people used to make haram what is actually halal and they used to make halal what is actually haram obeying them, obeying the rabbis and the monks that is shirk in obedience shirk in obedience in an authentic hadith it is mentioned anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tala hadhihi al-ayah على عدي ابن حاتم الطائي 
that the Prophet ﷺ recited this ayah to Adi ibn Hatim al-Ta'i. فقال يا رسول الله لسنا نعبدهم He said Adi ibn Hatim al-Ta'i that we do not worship them. He used to be from the people of the book. كان من أهل الكتاب. He said we never used to worship them. Never used to نتخذهم أربابا من دون الله. We didn't do that. لسنا نعبدهم. قال أليس يحلون لكم ما حرم الله فتحلونه ويحرمون ما أحل الله فتحرمونه قال بلى قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فتلك عبادتهم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Did they not used to make halal what is haram and you followed them and they make haram what is halal halal what is haram and you follow them in all of that He said yes The Prophet said that is you taking them as worship you are worshipping them like that. You are giving them obedience in making halal what is actually haram and haram what is actually halal. We'll stop on that point there then for the prayer and then we'll carry on after the prayer insha'Allah ta'ala. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa so we began this section now where it says Ashirku The shirk which occurs in obedience. And as Shaykh Al Fawzan had mentioned here, that to obey the rulers, those in authority, in making halal what Allah has made haram, or making haram what Allah has made halal, then that is a shirk in obedience. And then we mention the hadith, أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ تَلَى هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ اتَّخَذُوا أَحْبَارَهُمْ وَرْهُبَانَهُمْ تَلَى هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ عَلَى عَدِي بِنْ حَاتِمْ الطَّائِ فقال يا رسول الله لسنا نعبدهم قال أليس يحلون لكم ما حرم الله فتحلونه ويحرمون ما أحل الله فتحرمونه قال بلى قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فتلك عبادتهم that when it was recited to Adi ibn Hatim al-Ta'i he said O oh messenger of Allah we never worship them the rabbis and the monks we never worship them but then the Prophet said, Did they not used to make halal what Allah has made haram? And then you used to make it haram too? And did they not used to, or that you used to make it halal too? And then they used to make haram what Allah has made halal? And you used to make it haram too? He said, Yes. So the Prophet told him, That is the obedience to them. وَقَدْ فَسَّرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِيهِ اتِّخَاذُ الْأَحْبَارِ وَالرَّهْبَانِ أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ بِأَنَّهُ لَيْسَ مَعْنَاهُ الرُّكُوعِ وَالسُّجُودِ لَهُمْ وَإِنَّمَا مَعْنَاهُ طَاعَتُهُمْ فِي تَغْيِيرِ أَحْكَامِ اللَّهِ وَتَبْدِيلِ شَرِيعَتِهِ So the Prophet ﷺ highlighted here 
that the meaning of worshipping them isn't prostrating to them and bowing to them. Not that necessarily. The meaning of it is that you obey them in changing the laws of Allah, in changing the sharia of Allah, making halal what Allah made haram and the opposite. بِتَحْلِيلِهِمُ الْحَرَامُ وَتَحْرِيمِهِمُ الْحَلَالُ وَأَنَّ ذَلِكَ يَعَدْ عِبَادَةً لَهُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ So by obeying them in making halal what Allah made haram and making haram what Allah made halal then in that case, in that way that is considered as obedience and worship to them besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala حيث نصبوا نصبوا أنفسهم شركاء لله في التشريع. So they, the rabbis and monks and their likes, have appointed themselves as partners alongside Allah سبحانه وتعالى in declaring the laws of what is halal and what is haram. وهذا من الشرك الأكبر. And this is from the major shirk. لقوله تعالى Because of the statement of Allah وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ عِمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ That they were not commanded except to worship one Lord, one to be worshipped He alone deserving of worship and he is glorified and far removed from that which they associate alongside him. That shirk that they do alongside him. وَمِنْ هَذَا طَاعَةُ الْحُكَّامِ وَالْرُؤَسَاءِ فِي تَحْكِيمِ القوانين الوضعية المخالفة للأحكام الشرعية في تحليل الحرام To obey the rulers in man-made laws that oppose the laws of Allah and that is also from this category So for example كإباحة الربا والزنا وشرب الخمر for example, making it permissible to take interest and fornication and drinking of alcohol and all types of other things. Making all of this free mixing permissible, uncovering permissible. Then of course, we do not follow and obey in that and get involved and engage in those types of activities. They are all impermissible and we do not say, but the ruler says it's okay. You cannot obey the ruler in doing those things and getting involved in those things. They are in opposition to the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمِن ذَلِكَ أَيْضًا تَقْلِيدُ الْفُقَهَ بِاتِّبَاعِ أَقْوَالِهِمُ الْمُخَالِفَةِ لِلْأَدِلَّةِ إِذَا كَانَتْ تُوَافِقُ أَهْوَاءَ بَعْضِ النَّاسِ وَمَا يَشْتَهُونَهُ Blindly following scholars in opinions that oppose the evidences if those opinions happen 
to be in conformity to your desires. Those opinions which are in opposition to the evidences, you like them because they are in line with your desires and what you want. So you blindly follow those scholars in those opinions. That is impermissible also. In fact, as Shaykh Al-Thameen Rahimahullah Ta'ala said, if you go to a scholar that you trust and you know that he is from Ahlul Sunnah grounded scholar, and you ask him for a fatwa on something, and he gives you the fatwa, which is not what you wanted to hear. You wanted a different fatwa. But he gave you the fatwa, trusted, reliable, Salafi scholar. As Shaykh al said, it is not permissible for you to go to another scholar to try and find the different fatwa, the one which you want. This sometimes you hear it in English, they say fatwa shopping. You cannot do this. It is not permissible. The Shaykh said, this is tala'ub, going around to all the scholars to find one scholar which agrees with you. In the books of fiqh, they say, if you search very carefully in all of the books of the scholars, you will always find a scholar who agrees with the opinion you want. You want to have an opinion about something, this is allowed. But all the scholars are saying it's not allowed. If you search and search and search and search, somewhere you will find one scholar who said, it's okay, it's allowed. So you will say, Alhamdulillah, I found my fatwa. This is not the way of the religion. This is not how you learn your religion and take your religion. If you follow these wayward or isolated opinions, if you follow the isolated opinions, that's a better word than wayward, isolated opinions, you follow them everywhere, that's going to lead to your downfall. It will lead to your downfall if you chase after the isolated opinions. The, the isolated opinions from the opinions of the scholars. Then he mentions that some of the categories of or some of the types of the, the ones who are studying and learning, those who are looking for the ruchas, they are looking for the easy options, the options that give them excuse and license and permission. Because a ruhsa, it is taken away from the azimah. You have basically something which is a default. A default that something is not allowed. But there may be an odd exception to that rule somewhere. So some people, they go out there trying to find all of the exceptions to the rules. To try and avoid all of those rules. To find all the exceptions they can find. وَالْوَاجِبْ أَنْ يُؤْخَذْ مِنْ قَوْلِ الْمُجْتَهِدِ مَا وَافَقَ الدَّلِيلِ What you have to take are the statements of the, the high-ranking scholars, the mujtahid, the scholars of the high level, who give those fatawa and those answers. You take them, the ones that are in accordance to the evidences. 
قال الإمام أبو حنيفة رحمه الله إذا جاء الحديث عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فعلى الرأس والعين He said الإمام أبو حنيفة If a hadith comes from the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم then as they say in Arabic فعلى الرأس والعين meaning we will completely accept that we will completely accept that if a hadith authentic hadith comes to us from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we submit to that and we accept it no questions then وَإِذَا جَاءَ عَنِ الصَّحَابَةِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ فَعَلَى الرَّأْسِ وَالْعِينِ and if statements of the companions come to us then we'll take that completely as well Statements of the companions come to us, we'll submit to that, we'll accept that, no questions. Even though Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, when was he born? And when did he die? What year was Al-Imam Abu Hanifa born? 93 Hijri? 80 Hijri? Definite, huh? 81 anybody else he was born in 80 hijri but when did he die 150 born in 80 which means he was born when companions were still alive but the correct opinion rajih he did not meet any of the companions but he was born when companions were still alive because the last companion died in what year? 100 Hijri? 110 Hijri? Huh? Abu Tufail? Rafi ibn Khadij? It was Abu Tufayl, and he died in 110 Hijri. 110 Hijri. How do we know this as well? Because in the year 10 Hijri, just one year before the Prophet died, or just a few months or very small time before he died, there is a hadith. He said, nobody, no ma min nafsin manfusa ala wajhil ard. Upon that day, there is not a single alive being from the, the souls, the humans, the jinn, except that a hundred years from now, they will all die. So the last companion definitely died, finished at 110. And all of the jinn who were alive at that time after 110. That's the evidence. If a jinni comes to you now and says he is Sahabi, Maybe jinn they live a long time. What if a jinn comes to you now and says, I'm Sahabi. I was there 1400 years ago with the Prophet We know definitely lying. Because the hadith tells you after 100 years of that date, which was just before the Prophet died, 10 Hijri. So 110 Hijri after that, no more companions. There were no more after that time. Abu Tufail, he saw the Prophet 
وسلم, when he was very young in, Hajj, uh, in the Wida' Hajjatul Wida' he says I saw the Prophet on his uh, camel doing the tawaf so he saw the Prophet when he was very young five six four five six years old and then a hundred years later he died maybe a hundred years 105 years old so Imam Abu Hanifa said if something comes from the companions we accept it وَإِذَا جَاءَ عَنِ التَّابِعِينَ فَهُمْ رِجَالٌ وَنَحْنُ رِجَالٌ Because he was in that level himself. He said, if it comes from the tabi'een, then they are men as we are men. Meaning they were all his level anyway. They were all his level. He is from that level himself. But the point being, if it comes from the Prophet wasallam, it comes from the Sahaba, he said, we take that. And this is the point being made is, you don't blindly follow Abu Hanifa or Imam Malik or Imam Shafi'i or Imam Ahmed. You don't blindly follow any of them. Neither Imam Abu Hanifa or any of the other Imams. Uh, Imam Shafi'i, he said, if you ever see one of my statements, if you ever come across one of my opinions, which goes against what is in the Quran and the Sunnah. Because remember, Imam Shafi'i, did he know every single hadith? No. So maybe sometimes he made an opinion because he didn't know about some hadith. He said, if you ever find an opinion of mine that goes against some hadith, he said, take my opinion and throw it against the wall. Get rid of it, throw it on the wall and take the hadith, the evidence. And that is what all of them said. Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Malik, Al-Imam Shafi'i, and Al-Imam Ahmed. All of them, rahimahumullah. They said, do not blind follow. Anything that goes against the Quran and the Sunnah, then leave it. Follow what's the Quran and the Sunnah only. And then, this statement of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, قَدْ إِسْتَغَلَّ هَذِهِ الْكَلِمَةِ بَعْضُ أَنصَافِ الْمُتَعَلِّمِينَ الَّذِينَ جَعَلُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ فِي مَصَافِ الْأَئِمَّةِ الْمُجْتَهِدِينَ وَهُمْ لَا يَزَالُونَ جُهَالًا وَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّ الْإِمَامَ بَحَنِيفَ لَا يَقْصُدُ مُسَاوَاتِ الْعِلَمَ بِالْجُهَالِ He says some people they come along and they take this statement of Imam Abu Hanifa when he said the statements of the Prophet we take them. The statements of the, the Sahaba, we are under them. But after them, anybody who comes, they are men and we are men. We can all see. So some, the Shaykh says, from the ignorant, they come up, uh, they uh, uh, use this statement to say, look, Imam Abu Hanifa said, after the companions, anybody else, we, they are men, we are men, we can see. And so they are actually ignorant juhal trying to compete with the scholars. You tell them, for example, uh, one of the scholars, uh, Sheikh Bin Ba, said, they say, Imam Abu Hanifa said, Hum rijal wa nahnu rijal. But they are, who are they compared to the likes of uh, Sheikh Bin Baz and Sheikh Al-Albani and Sheikh Al-Thameen? They are juhal, they are ignorant, they are nowhere near of this level to make this comment or this statement. So the Sheikh said, some people, they exploit, they exploit the statement of Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Malik, he said, كُلُّنَا رَادٌ وَمَرْدُودٌ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا صَاحِبُ هَذَا الْقَبَرِ 
Al-Imam Malik, he said, all of us, we can refute somebody else and prove them wrong. And they can refute us and prove us wrong in something. Except the Prophet ﷺ, we cannot uh, say anything that he did wrong. Everything he did and taught us and said to us is revelation. There is no wrong there. But amongst us, yes, I could be wrong sometimes. You could be wrong sometimes. وَقَالَ الْإِمَامُ Al-Imam Shafi'i said, if a hadith is proven as authentic, then that is my madhab. If it's proven authentic, then that is my madhab. And here it is now, he said, وَإِذَا خَالَفَ قَوْلِ قَوْلَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى وَسَلَّمْ فَاضْرِبُوا بِقَوْلِ عَرْضَ الْحَائِطِ That if my statement goes against the statement of the Prophet, then throw my statement up against the wall and get rid of it. وَقَالَ الْإِمَامُ أَحْمَدِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَجِبْتُ لِقَوْمٍ عَرَفُوا الْإِسْنَادِ وَصِحَّتَهُ يَذْهَبُونَ إِلَى رَأِيِ سُفْيَانِ He said, I am amazed at people who know about the chains of narration and the authentic chains. And instead, they go and take the opinion of Sufyan. Sufyan from the scholars at that time, Sufyan al-Thawri, that they go to him and they take his opinion even though they know the hadith and they know the chains and what's authentic. وَاللَّهُ تَعَالَى يَقُولُ فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ He mentioned this ayah, let them be warned, the ones who oppose his command, that some fitna overcomes them or some severe punishment. Some of the scholars, they said the meaning of fitna is shirk. That if you oppose the Quran and the Sunnah, you'll fall into shirk. ويقول عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنهما يوشك أن ينزل عليكم حجارة من السماء أقول قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وتقولون قال أبو بكر عمر عبد الله بن عباس said that stones are about to fall upon your heads from the sky it's as though they are coming close to falling upon you I am telling you the messenger said such and such and you're telling me Abu Bakr and Umar said such and such because even Abu Bakr and Umar رضي الله عنهما their statements are not superior to the statements of the Prophet That is where we'll have to stop for today. The next section, insha'Allah ta'ala, will begin next week. You look disappointed with topic. You have to make sure you get here 7 p.m. We started at 7 p.m. So if you come right from the beginning, you get the full class, 7 p.m., then we pray at 7.30, then we carry on and finish after 8. So inshallah, try and get here next week, 7 p.m., and we'll begin from the start.